Hi guys! Ecolution has been going for a whole 16 episodes. When we started, it was only going to be five. But this issue is so important that we think we have to keep at it. We've gone from the depths of the ocean to the wilds of a forest. Covered protests, projects and so many bees. And we want to do more in our next series. We're taking a break for a short while, but we'll return in late spring with a whole host of new topics investigated. I've just arrived back from a protest today. The atmosphere at these protests are actually really good. You get to meet loads of interesting people from different organisations that really care about climate action. I get to meet loads of like young people that have the same thoughts as me and often also have the same worries as me. We're recording this the day before the election. So one of the most important things that we were doing was outlining the fact that we want people to make a conscious decision when they're voting and that we want them to vote for a more environmentally friendly and sustainable government. There was loads of interesting people at the protest and I managed to grab a few words with some people that were there. I'm here with Maria Arnold, a member of Extinction Rebellion here in Dublin. Maria, can you tell us a bit about why we're here today? We're here today to support the young people of our country who are very, very concerned about climate breakdown. And we are listening to what the IPCC and all of that collective knowledge about what's coming are saying. And they're telling us that we have to reduce our carbon emissions by 8%. Our previous government only had an ambition of 2% and it simply isn't enough. I'm here with Green Party leader Eamon Ryan. Eamon, what do you think it means that young people are out here on the day before the general election? I think it's really important. I think that message just finished, like what do we want? Climate action. When do we want it now? That's the message. We, we cannot delay. And the change is going to be for the better, but it's a scale change. Like it's beyond anything that we've done before in how our transport system works, how our farming system works, how our industrial system works, how our energy system works. We can do it, but we won't do it if it's just incremental and if it's half-hearted. One of the things that we did was we had leaflets and they listed out some of the demands we need to have to have a climate-friendly government. For the full list of them, go on to onefuture.ie. I'm here with Conor Slattery, that is with Fridays for Future in Dublin, and uh, here's what he has to say about the general elections and the climate strike today. The climate strike went really well. We were very happy with the turnout. Um, Obviously, the next day or so is going to be really important for the future of our country and how it affects the future of your lives. We really want adults and those people who are voting to show that they care about the environment and climate and that they demonstrate that in voting for candidates which they think are going to protect our futures. We hope that people will make the right decision. This election is absolutely crucial in how our government and how our country responds to the climate emergency. As Damon said last week, you can't shout fire without showing people the exits. So let's find the right exits. These strikes and the people involved in them have done this country real service. Ecolution. It's great to see so many motivated people making a difference. And we want to get out on the ground in the coming weeks to see all of your efforts. Antoshka Green Schools are joining us in highlighting great projects in schools across the country. So we could be coming to a school near you soon. I'm heading up to Northern Ireland next week. And this week's Ecolution goes even further north. To Sweden! If you type into a search engine, who is best on climate action, you will find a website called the Climate Change Performance Index. The site grades 
all the countries in the world on their policies, how much renewable energy they use and just how green each is becoming. And I'm very sad to say that Ireland is ranked number 41. We are not progressing nearly fast enough at a political level. So we thought, why not have a look at who's doing best and learn what they're doing differently. Every country, even those working hard, can and must do better. And for that reason, they leave the top three spots on the chart blank. But number four, the best on action this year is Sweden. But why? I guess if you want answers, you go to the most Swedish person you can find in Ireland. And who's more Swedish than the ambassador? Hello, I'm Lars Wallund. I'm the Swedish ambassador to Ireland. And I've been that since September 2018. And before that, I um, served five years as an ambassador to Turkey. I'm very happy to be here. I'm a father of four kids, 24 down to 11. My family is residing in in Stockholm, so I commute every second week to Ireland. Basically, I represent Sweden in in Ireland, but then I also speak with the Irish government and explain Irish positions in Sweden. My father was a a priest in in the Lutheran church, and there you have to meet the richest, but also the poorest. You meet everyone, and now I meet you. We are, like Ireland, a society where most people come from the countryside. Most people are first or second generation in the cities. So Swedes still live very close to nature. They still have family in the countryside. They have been brought up at farms. And and I think it's part of our culture that we live close to nature. But then it has also been a deliberate policy, I would say, for the last 60 years even. When I went to school, there was this keep nature clean and if you dropped, you know, one little paper on the on the ground, I mean, the teacher was there. And so we have it in our genes almost. And, and that is what we see now, I think, is a continuation of it. My name is Elsa. I'm five years old and I go on Rosendahl's preschool. I sort out garbage in different bags. I turn off the light when nobody is in the room and I go away from the room. I think the kids that throw garbage in the nature would stop do that. Where should they put it? In a garbage can. I remember I travelled by train now from Dublin to Cork and then I thought, are, are there more cows in Ireland than people? <laughs> it was cow, meadow, cow, meadow, all that... And um, being from the countryside, I like this sort of uh, this living countryside here. Swedish energy consumption is renewable. And I remember 1973, Sweden was the most oil-dependent country in the world. I mean, we used a lot of oil for heating. But since that, we have completely transformed the society. So nowadays, we don't use any oil for heating. And actually, uh, Stockholm, all the heating comes from garbage. And there is a lack of garbage in Sweden. So there is like a stock market. The city of Stockholm buy garbage. And when we can't find it in Sweden, we have to buy it from the UK and Germany. And when there is not enough garbage there, because you have to transport it, we buy these kernels of olives from Greece. And we have insulated all houses. I see that here, actually. I should not criticize Ireland, but houses are very badly insulated. And there's a huge energy leakage. 
Since the Rio conference in 1992, Sweden has been working hard on sustainability issues at local, national and international level. Less than 1% of waste in Sweden ends up in landfill. About half of all waste is incinerated and turned into energy. Four tons of rubbish contains energy equivalent to one ton of oil. And then, of course, the recycling, I think, is important. For example, at home, when we recycle everything, we, the, the sort of leftover food is put in one little basket that is made into biogas. Buses in, in Stockholm are, are, are driven on biogas. And then you plastic bottles, metal, blah, blah, blah. It needs a system. It needs organizing. But it's also the responsibility of everyone. That's the educational part of it. It's not something that some, someone else does. It's, it's you. And you have to walk those extra 200 meters, you know, with the basket and, and put things. But the Swedes, most Swedes do that very willingly. The Green Skills do great work across Ireland. You may be a member of the committee in your school. A similar program runs in Sweden called Fin Up. It encourages students to come up with solutions to problems in their environment with inventions of their own. It's been going since back in 1979, which may explain how it is that Greta Thunberg came out of their education system. But what else do they do differently? My name is Anna Mogren. I'm from Sweden, the southern part of Sweden. I've just become a doctor in biology, which means I've done a long study on school principles, actually, and how you organise education. I'm also in service trainer for teachers and have uh, in service training for teachers about sustainability related issues based on their needs in the local school. Education for sustainable development is a way to make young people's voices part of their education and future, to train them in taking part and contributing to sustainable issues in the society, really. They are trained in being uh, critical, so you can always question your teacher. You're allowed to question your teacher if there might be better ways than suggested in the classroom. They are also encouraged to take part in real actions in society, to actually uh, look for uh, occasions where their knowledge can contribute to real-life development, if the children know how to hand in uh, their voices and make their opinions raised by inviting someone from the community or writing proposals of how they see and uh, things or need things in the society in the future. In one of my children's own school, there was a problem with toilets at the school. <laughs> they didn't use the toilets, they were old and scruffy. So then the politicians made a budget for renovating, a big renovation of toilets, but they never asked the children how they actually wanted to have these toilets. And very late in the process, they asked them, what can we do? What is your wishes when we now <laughs> make these toilets renovation? And then the kids said, they're nice the way they are. It's just that you can hear what's happening inside the toilet. So the only thing in the end was that they bought radios and every time you lock the door, the radio would go on and the problem was solved. Example of how uh, children learn to, to be democratic and have their voices heard but often very late in the process. So they are encouraged and teachers are trying to make their voice early in the process before things are decided. Education becomes meaningful in a way. They, do, they are not just boxes carrying around a lot of knowledge. They get to use their knowledge, which makes them uh, active. And uh, yeah, education is meaningful to them. I have colleagues who have been measuring this. Uh, They've been measuring on children in uh, sustainable development active schools, their awareness, behavior and knowledge. And you can see that when kids are encouraged to work with the the surrounding society, 
they have a higher awareness. They are easily changing their behaviors if it's for real, if it's in real actions. My son number two is at the gymnasium. And, and there the, the students themselves, you know, there was a vote and said everything we do this year should be sort of inspired by climate change and or the, the, the action or the work against climate change. What they do in philosophy, for example, the moral importance of each and every person to act in, in the, for, for, the, for the common good. And it's the same for, for, the, for the younger kids. Hi, I'm Vidar and I'm 11. Hi, I'm Hedvig and I am 11 years old too. We go to Vattramaskolan in Sweden. It's the fourth biggest city. Today in Uppsala it's minus one degree Celsius. My favorite subject in school is English and math. Um, my favorite subject in school is music. Me and Vida play guitar. Sometimes we go on walks and then we pick up waste that's on the ground. And we also sort trash, like with a paper bin, a plastic bin, bin, and then food bin. And batteries, too. I mean, kindergarten. We learned if we walk past the trash, we should pick it up and throw it in the trash can. I've seen a little difference, because like this winter, we had almost no snow. And a few years ago, we had like a really, really hot summer. So I think we can see some difference. But not too much. Yeah, I think it's gonna be get maybe a little better, but it depends on if we can keep up what we're doing currently. We work very much with the three perspectives of social, economic, and, and ecological issues, of course. And when children are really young, it's it's only about getting a relation to nature or the ecology actually going out. They are not dealing with complex issues of the society, but when they are older and they can take decision based on either the choosing the environment or choosing the ecology, <laughs> they know the consequences and have a relation to nature. So they understand their consequences of taking these very hard decisions. Also for me as an adult, it's very hard decisions to take. It's about building an emotional feeling of what's right and wrong. It's also being very practical, doing things, taking action. As a father, uh, you think about the future and then um, let's say I'm 62, I'm in the best case, I might live 20, 30 years. I mean, but for the future generation, you have to, to pass the buck to, to the next generation. So, of course, it's, it's, it's a great concern. Greta Thunberg first started learning about climate change when she was eight. Uh, the more she learned, then she more she wondered why more wasn't being done. At 11, she became so worried about the, that he shot stop at the top for time. She has become the face of climate action across the world. How do adults in Sweden feel about Greta? She's an outstanding young girl, I think. But I, I, I think she's, um, she's brought up in that tradition. She started completely alone. One person demonstration, and then out of that, I mean, this enormous movement have grown up. It's really amazing. And I think she's misunderstood many times. But what she's saying, basically, is listen to the experts. Most experts, you know share sort of a view that we are in a, in a very critical stage. Oh, she's my hero. She's like uh, Rosa Parks or uh, Mother Teresa or uh, she's the hero to many people here. But it's also critical voice uh, raised against her, of course. Uh, how do you treat children when they walk out of school on Fridays? What uh, knowledge do they <laughs> gain from doing that? All these voices. Uh, of course. No, she's fantastic. And apart from uh, who she is as a person, she's a very complex person. 
the ability to raise an, such an important issue and make such impact on media and important people with the highly impact uh, jobs in the world is fantastic. Well, she is doing something that's good. Yeah. And she is kind of a big deal here. Not really, but she is, first of all, from Sweden. So that makes it a little bit special for us. And she's doing a really big thing, trying to save the world. We are proud of her, I would say. And I'm amazed. I mean, uh, from, from, from zero and then she goes around and she's, I think she's a person of the year. I think she has managed to stay the course. If I hadn't understood it before, during the um, state visit when the Swedish king and, and queen was here. The last day we, we went out in Ireland and we went to Listun, Varna in Clare. And, and there there was a school class that insisted they wanted to meet the king and the queen and, and they had made a model of um, how rising sea levels would affect the coast of Western Ireland. And that was inspired by Greta Thunberg and... <laughs> And you see, out in Liston Varna, she was, she was also a well-known person. I say sometimes, you know, the, the young generation now is perhaps the first urban generation we have had in Sweden. Because most Swedes identify with the countryside. If you ask a Swede, you know, the best moments, it's doing, he or she is alone at a lake, you know, and sunset and a, and a moose is swimming over the lake. <laughs> the fact is, well, in the countryside, you can't survive without a car. If you want your kid to play football, you know. Of course, I tell to my kids, and I, I biked, you know, to the football field. <laughs> you can do that too, but if they play an instrument, you know, then you have to go to the next city, which is 15 kilometers away. I mean, you cannot bike with a, with a big saxophone. or a, So if you want to have a living countryside, and, and we all want, I mean, it's, then, then we need transportation. And the only thing that is available today um, is actually cars. Sweden is, uh, compared to Ireland, and, uh, enormously big. I mean, it's, it's, I would guess, it's at least 10 times bigger than Ireland. And, and most of the mining is up in the north. So you have an area which is six times bigger than Ireland, where you have less than one million people. Sweden is unique in a couple of ways. First of all, it's really big and really cold, meaning not very many people can live there. Also, the land isn't fantastic for things like farming. It's really mountainous and it's covered in lots of forest. The third thing is because it's so mountainous and it rains, it's wet quite a lot there. There's lots of meltwater from the snow that falls there. They've got lots of hydroelectric power plants. So dams in the middle of these valleys. And that means they've got clean energy to do all kinds of other things. But I think one of the most important things about Sweden is the people and the way that they think about things. They do not think about things in terms of making lots of money and being really important and being famous. I would say Swedish people seem to have this way of thinking about the world in terms of looking after others. So not just thinking about this generation or the next generation, but maybe four or ten generations down the line. And that's really important because the actions that we take today, they might not really affect me at all, but they will affect my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren. What simple steps could an Irish kid make in their classroom to try to improve things? Okay, make a friend with someone in another country. Uh, ask your question and discuss it and share it with your class and see if there are other opinions in other countries. That's an easy way to start, uh, to see if a Swedish, children, a Swedish child or a child from America or Australia would say and have the same answers and opinions that you have. And to share different perspectives and opinions, uh, a teacher cannot say no to that. That's interesting to a teacher. 
also also question your teacher if there are better ways to do things. Uh, don't say this is wrong, but if there are better ways to do things and if you can try them out in real. The research look at school and say when you work interdisciplinary, when you work with, uh, collaborate with society, that gives meaning to children, that makes children active in contributing to a future society. It should be exported and shown to the world that the school actually can make this impact, I think. In December 2019, Sweden published a new climate action plan. And it's seriously ambitious, in ways I wish our own plan was. Sweden is aiming to be zero waste society. Recycling has been standard here for over 30 years. But is that really possible? You can have the best systems, you know, you can spend a lot of money, but it's it's a responsibility for each and everyone. And you have to make it uh, possible for them to follow those rules. I mean, if you have garbage collections or recycling then you have to have sites you know which are not too far away where people can recycle i think um, that there are good possibilities or that will come close to that goal and as an ambition i think it's really worth applauding we talk a whole lot about nudging you know pushing people in the right direction so if you get an electricity bill it says you are producing three percent more than your neighbor and next year you want to have a bill where it says you're producing 10 percent less than your neighbor uh, that's the way of nudging. But nudging, nudging is good uh, on the same time as we want to develop in school and education individuals that think for themselves and are just not pushed to the right. Uh, but this is happening in Sweden at the moment. A lot of pushing by industry and public sector. A lot of education that uh, develop individuals with a critical thinking. I like to finish almost every interview by asking guests, are they hopeful? So, are you? What is the alternative? The sort of critical comments I have to the environmental movement. I, I don't think we are helped by this panic. We have to do something and, and we have to do it calmly and sort of rationally. And I'm hopeful uh, it's a growing awareness. I, I think we should be a, a good example. Sometimes when you do research, you sit by yourself with your numbers and figures and tools and you are thinking, what, are, what am I doing? And then I think, I'm, I'm saving the word a little bit. That sounds childish, but I appreciate very much that I can work with important issues. Not everything is positive around me at the moment, but the future is positive. It's a little bit scary, but so far it's looking okay. It's definitely getting better. I think it's gonna be good. He thinks it's gonna be good. <laughs> or at least try to fix it. Yeah. No country is perfect, and the sheer population of the world will present us with problems. We need to eat, especially sprouts, have shelter, and live fulfilling lives. But it's really interesting to see Sweden and the other top performers changing how they act, creating a more sustainable future for their citizens and doing their part in the global effort to lessen climate change. Thanks to Ambassador Volund, Anna Mogren and everyone else for helping with this episode. Thanks to all who've listened to this first series. Myself and Neve McManus began planning Ecolution last summer. We discussed all we could do and now I'm numbered with Nikki as a producer. (sighs) It's about time I had my say in what he's doing wrong. Firstly... Off the air, James, stop it. No, Nikki, it's high time then. I am the new presenter of Ecolution. I look forward to being your obedient presenter. Producers are always right. We are the future. Ecolution. Ecolution was produced by Nikki Coughlin for RTE Junior Radio.